Hi guys, Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Chirp. Today I have with me Fatma Mazhar, who I am very personally inspired by. She has done some amazing work and has had a lot of success in her career. She's actually one of the people who joined Kareem very early on and made it what it is at the moment. She launched Kareem in Pakistan and several other um, countries. Um, she's also worked at Collabs and now she's working at Circles. Her journey is incredible. Her hard work is unparalleled. And on this podcast, we haven't just talked about her career. We've also talked about um, women in the workplace, women in sports, um, body positivity, and a lot of other themes that have come out of her life. We've also talked about, uh, you know, growing up as the sibling of an autistic uh, child. So it was all you know, there's a lot in the podcast. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of thoughts. Um, and I feel like, you know, uh, it's one of the most raw and real conversations we've had here. So stick around and listen to the whole thing. I think it's going to be incredible for you. Before we begin, I also want to add that I'm not feeling um, entirely well. So if I'm not able to perform and, you know, I'm uh, not feeling the best. Uh, so please excuse me for that. But all focus on Fatma and her story is incredible. Without any more delay, here's Fatma. Fatma, how are you? Hi, I'm great. So excited to be here. Yeah, so finally. <laughs> yes, I've been wanting to do this with you. Um, but we coordinate you were here. I was Not there. as much as I've wanted <laughs> it, trust me. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much for coming. Thank you for doing this with of me. Of course. Uh, it's I'm, a pleasure. I'm very excited. I'm very honored uh, to have you here. Um, so there's a lot of themes you know that we discussed before starting the podcast that we yes. will be digging into when we have this conversation but i would you know just like to start with your journey and um where it all began <laughs> so i would like for you to tell me where were you born and raised okay that's a really interesting question because i was born in lahore okay. um but because my dad was in the military i moved around every two years mm -hmm. so um, you know, cities like Pawalpur, Pimber, Gujranwala, Quetta. Um, I've lived all over. Mm. Um, so that's been my life. I am what they call an army brat, which is what we're called, the children of army people. Yeah. Um, at the time when my dad was in the army and we grew up, our army was an amazing organization. And I think that I have a lot, of, a lot to thank about uh, to the army about the constant move and it will kind of then translate into what my career looked like because I can't stay still. So I've lived in a lot of different places over the years. Yeah, this is something I can relate to because yes. my father was also in the army. Oh, wow, <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> so so yeah. what's, the, what's, the, what's the weirdest place you've stayed in that people wouldn't know about? So in Kale, Kashmir. Oh, nice. Okay. I was somewhere, but I was in Azad Kashmir. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I was there, and, you know, so um, that's that's different. It you is know. different. Yeah. You just, but yeah, I, I relate. I moved every two years. Yes. Um, and, you know, things in the army were very different at that time. Back then, yes. Yeah, it was a sure. lovely institution and, you know. Uh, I really enjoyed the cantonment life and making new friends everywhere. Yes. You know. Yeah. But you know, when um, I look at my some of the other people that lived in Lahore and they've lived in Lahore all their lives and have friends way back then, mm -hmm. um, it's really difficult to keep in touch with your army friends. So 
I don't have many friends that I've known for a very long time, but then that also makes it easier for me to connect with people wherever I go because we had to do it every two years. There was no choice. Yeah, so yeah. this, you know, you kind of become, you know how to make friends quickly. You become yes. very adaptable, you know, you can fit in anywhere. And you learn how not to be attached because, yeah. you know, there's a good buy involved every two <laughs> that's, years. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's where my commitment issues come from. That's just a joke. <laughs> Yeah, Maybe that's what I can tell my parents now. <laughs> no. And what about your schooling? So did you go to like army public school or did you like go into I, different private schools? I went into Beacon House wherever mm. I could. Yeah. And if there was not a Beacon House, then army public. But Beacon House has done a pretty phenomenal job of being in very remote areas as well. Um, so I think my childhood after grade two or three was all Beacon House. Uh, this is also the same for me because Beacon House was everywhere. It so. was everywhere. Yeah. And they have re they had really good, I, I don't know about it now, but back then Beacon House had really good education. Yeah. yeah. So so for me, it was like, you know, we, we found Beacon House almost everywhere. Yes. So everywhere we used to move. Beacon House was a branch of where my admission was. Yes. And this podcast is not sponsored by Beacon House. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, so growing up, what is it that you aspired to be, wanted to be? I mean, things were very different. So there was no pressure at that time. I mean, very f rarely did we get asked the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. But I do remember as far back as I can think, I think pilot was one of it. Um, doctor was one of it till I saw somebody bleed. And I said, that's something I can never do. And honestly speaking, I still don't know what I want to be. Because um, uh, that is such a difficult question. And I think um, if I can end up being described as a kind person that was nice to others, I would have done well in life. Hmm. Yeah? yeah. So it's not as much about, you know. What I've done, but who I am. But who I am. Yeah, yeah that's lovely. Yeah. I like how. But it took me years to reach that conclusion. I'm pretty aged now so uh, <laughs> that comes with experience but there were different times when you know pilot sounded cool there was a time when because my dad was in the ISI and mm. I was studying in the states I wanted to be um, a CIA or an FBI operative never mm. thinking that my dad's in the ISI how am I gonna get there <laughs> yeah. um, but I did I did I did go and apply and and, and oh. pass their physical tests oh that's so cool <laughs> yes but then they did a background check on me and said get out of our country <laughs> that's not possible yes. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so what did you end up um, uh, going for your bachelor's in or you know doing your higher education and so I went uh, for business uh, management when oh. I was younger I wasn't that good at school so mm. my parents put me in the convent and there was no sciences available in the convent it was only arts so right. I was pretty limited in what I was able to do but also that would be an excuse because I, whenever I tried to do sciences I did not do well or <laughs> I did not excel mm -hmm. um, I tell this to everyone so that they understand that you can always turn your life around I um, went to the convent and they had limited subjects to choose mm. from and at that time it was junior Cambridge not even O levels and then for A levels I went for like economics accounting and math thinking that I was that smart and I ended up getting three D's mm. so it took a long while to change my life around uh, but I was limited I did know that business at that time was something that you did if you weren't a doctor or an engineer mm -hmm. uh, and so I did it I feel like people are such an have such an advantage now because they wanted, um, we didn't have the kind of counseling, we didn't have the kind of pressure and because I was a girl, they just said, yeah, put her in anything, eventually she's going to graduate and get married anyway. Uh. Boy, did I prove them wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. So business management and international relations. And where did you do that from? I went to a college called uh, Washington College. It was the first private college of um, the U.S. And the story is really funny. My dad's dentist's um, brother-in-law was a dean there. And he came and he looked at my transcripts from NUST and he said she could get a scholarship if she applies. And we all thought we were jo- he was joking. So I just applied and I got a scholarship. Mm. So I was I transferred to that school. Okay, so first you went to NAST and then from NAST yes. you transferred. I was in NAST for two semesters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when I applied, actually my dad was also moving out of the country. So he said, if you want to. Before that, it wasn't an option. But mm. because he was moving, he was like, you can apply if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did. And I, you know, got in with a scholarship. Because... Yeah. Again, back then, the standard of education, I don't know how it is right now, in Pakistan was very high. Mm-hmm. So I studied for two semesters in NUST, and I was able to take credits for two years. So I was able to do my bachelor's in two years in the U.S. based oh. on the one year of credits that I did at NUST, which were very, very tough. Oh, that's incredible. That yeah. is incredible. Yeah. So much to be proud of yeah. in our country. Yeah, that's true. I think I think that higher education has to be one of them. You yes. know, even in OA levels, like they say that our students do really much well. better and yes. they know much more, um, you know. When uh, they, I agree 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Like even some positives. Yeah, some positives. Yeah. <laughs> huh. So then you went there all by yourself, right? So your family wasn't with you? No. So my brother went to Georgia Tech. Okay. Um, clearly he's the smart one in the family. <laughs> um, and I went there. My parents went to Saudi Arabia. Okay. So they were posted to Saudi Arabia. Oh, he, will, he got posted there with the army? Yeah, as a defense oh, attaché. Oh, okay. okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then how was that experience? Um I think my first year in the U.S. was very, very tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a big culture shock. Um, there was um, the ability to connect with people was very easy. But Pakistan spoils you in how friends are, and Pakistan spoils you in this in in in, in the lovely security blanket that you have as your friends. Once you're friends with somebody, you do everything yourselves. It's not like that in college at all. Everyone, there's everyone's out there for themselves. You don't go to the same classes, so meeting up with your friends is difficult. So, I spent the first year feeling very lonely. But luckily, I'd always preferred sports, so I got into the rugby team and I got into the question team. Mm-hmm. So I made a really good bond with people, and I was really busy. I'd get up early in the morning to ride. I would go for rugby practice in the evening, and then there was school. So, and I also opted to do a job while I was there because, uh, you know, uh, when you were sent from here. And at that time, there was no awareness of how little money um, that that was being sent was there. So I worked, I played two sports, um, and I studied really hard. Mm, That's a lot, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I just wanted to keep myself busy. Busy, I was very attached to family. Hmm. I wasn't so excited about going to the States. I wanted to stay in Pakistan Hmm. by myself, which wasn't possible. Hmm. And so at that point in time, um, I was very shy, timid, still able to make friends, but like um, I didn't party at all during mm-hmm. college. Mm-hmm. Uh, that came later in Dubai. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, so I was a bit different. So you started working there. So that would have to be your first job. Yes. And was it an it odd was. job or was it like a job job? So the first job that I did was mm-hmm. um, calling people, um, alumni, and asking them for funds for the college. Mm-hmm. And I didn't quite enjoy that. And, and you know, that became the basis of me always saying no to sales because everyone's told me if I went into sales, I'd kill it. Um, but I really had a hard time asking 
um, for money. I even have a hard time asking my dad for money when I was younger, so this was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, the second job that I did was very interesting. It was catering, and it paid more than minimum wage, and that meant that you would go to different places and you'd um, you'd serve the food or you'd serve this. And I think it really humbles you mm-hmm. because over here we have everything done for us. Um, so. I think if I got humbled, grounded, it was looking at how hard people had to work. I couldn't do it's a very demand it was a very demanding job. And with my schedule I couldn't do it. So I eventually ended up in the library, which okay. was a very good job. Mm. To be at the front desk of the library. You got to study and you didn't have a lot of disturbance and it paid good money as well. Mm-hmm. So I ended up staying at the library for the next two years. Oh. Oh, two yeah. years yeah. yes yeah so for the entire time basically after entire yeah. time it was good money because it, it meant that you had some money on the side and um international students were only allowed a certain amount of time to work mm-hmm. and that was a good job to do that was a good but job. i did try catering and and then like calling alumni <laughs> yeah Tough. yeah yeah and I, yeah and i feel you know like you said it really humbles you especially the catering thing because in pakistan we you know we have a lot of um you can say opinions attached to the work that people do yes, right we do. so if you are a waiter or if you're a you know janitor or plumber or electrician Even a receptionist a receptionist yeah, yeah it's very different you you know you treat them different yeah you yeah. treat them different and then there's you know there's certain people who do certain kinds of jobs and certain people who don't do certain kind of jobs that's um, very true yeah. i get where you're coming from <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, or you know in places like um, in in the west that generally isn't there right everybody is treated kind of equally is that true they are um i mean all kinds of people do odd jobs there yahan pe yes. to concept hi nahi hai odd jobs ka right at a, at a, yeah at yeah. a certain age i think in college and stuff and then you kind of see who's working the taxis and uh-huh. who's working at the mcdonald's uh-huh, but uh-huh, uh-huh. to start off with i you know i had a lot of people that worked with me that came from all sorts of uh families that were doing the yeah. job and catering wasn't easy because you had to pick up the food and then you had to dispose of the food and wash the plates as well mm-hmm. that was part of like the catering job um and till this day when i have to do something uh when we're when i'm living by myself or living with a few friends i'll say okay i'll do the dishes you guys do the rest because i don't know how to cook uh, <laughs> so, yeah 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 but, but like yeah uh, they're therapeutic uh-huh, it taught me uh-huh, yeah. yeah um and then you moved back So what I did was I did my undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um the reason why Washington College was such a good choice was they had an amazing study abroad program so it's not okay. well known. Mm-hmm. So I was able to go one semester to London School of Economics mm-hmm. through um Washington College and you had to be a certain grade to qualify to go there and I was very lucky that I'd made the grade. And then for the next semester I was able to go to Turkey um and they have um Boğaziçi University which is their top university. Okay. I studied there for a semester. Okay. So I did this for 2 years and I get, got into a master's program and I got into a master's program that was known for security and intel studies where I was yes. telling you I was interested. Uh-huh. I went for my master's because I was having a conversation with my parents and I said maybe I should take a gap year work and my parents said, you know, they will deny it now but um the idea was that I do my master's come back and get married. Mm. Um but i learned a lot in, in the states to understand that mm-hmm. and then i did apply for jobs i got a job but i didn't get, didn't get an h1b visa okay, okay. so i moved but i moved to dubai okay you moved to dubai why and did my, you so my family had moved my after my oh. father retired he moved to dubai okay. and he said why don't you come to dubai mm-hmm. uh, my brother or also both of us were denied h1b visas which was very sad because we'd spent uh. you know 
I'd spent about six years in the uh, four years in the states, and he'd spent four years as well. And we worked, and we paid taxes, and you know we were normal citizens. But it's the luck of the draw, and at that point in time, both of us weren't able to get an H one B. So we ended up in Dubai, which kind of changed my life for the better. Um, so I see it's all God's planning. Yeah, it's yeah. all God's plan. It happened for the best. It happened for the best. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So um, so there was you your brother and your sister right you uh, yes. three siblings were three siblings mm. um i have a lovely brother mm. um i wish everyone had a brother like him mm, that's really um sweet. i think not i think i know he's my best friend and i can talk to him about everything we weren't this close growing up but as we grew up we did i have a sister who's autistic mm. um the, the the facilities in Pakistan aren't great, so it took us till she was five to understand that she was on, um, and she's not even only autistic. She's mm-hmm. autistic and she has a combination. So it, that disease, not disease, but that condition is called Perry syndrome, which we found out when we moved to Saudi, where the doctors did extra research. And in Pakistan, we didn't know. So she's your but younger sister. She's my younger sister. Okay. She is. Um, I don't think I could love anyone mm-hmm. as much as her, and I don't think anyone could come close to as much. And I think everything that I do, um, and everything that I want to be, is for her. Oh, that's yeah. really sweet. And she doesn't know it, but yeah. you know, um, the law of nature is one day maybe your parents won't be around. So I want to make sure that if that day ever comes, God forbid, um, that I'm there for her a hundred percent. And so she is um, the purpose of my life. As mm-hmm. I see it, mm-hmm. yeah. So you said that she has Perry syndrome, right? Can you? I, so I, I, I can't really explain it, but mm-hmm. her brain stopped developing at the age of five. So she's five years old in her brain in a grown person's okay. body. Okay. Uh, she is verbal, and she can say certain words, but she can't. But physically, she's able to do everything. So okay. she can walk. She can run. Sometimes she's she's on steroids for her mood control, so she um, is a bit on the fatter side. But um, she's very smart. So if she um, if you say something to her and she wants to do it, she'll understand it in a jiffy. And if she doesn't, she'll just pretend like she she can. doesn't get it. <laughs> but she can communicate whatever she wants. Okay. She's learned those words. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not perfectly said. Some are very perfectly said. Mm-hmm. But we don't have facilities in Pakistan to. Um, do speech therapy back then. We didn't have facilities to treat her, so Dubai was good. Where we went and we were, we made sure she was one of the reasons why my parents decided to move abroad and they lived in Dubai for seventeen years. Yeah, so yeah. in Dubai you did find that support for your sister. Yes, um, and in Dubai people don't stare, and in Dubai mm-hmm. people don't ask questions. I think some of the weirdest questions. I don't usually get angry because I I, I see that people are different, but uh, so people ask but somebody came up to my mom and at airport and, and asked ye aise paida hui thi ya paida hone ke baad aise hui thi and you know like it's it's ridiculous oh my God. yeah it is and i think i don't even blame people because there's such a lack of awareness yeah. when you have special needs kids you're hiding them i take her to all the restaurants that i go to she goes to nabila's with me to get her nails and hair done and the way the nabila's team treats her is incredible. Mm. So there are some amazing people out there. I'm also trying to get her to go to the gym with me. Mm. I go too early in the morning, so she can't. But I've told my mom that I I want to. She goes to the riding school with me. She doesn't want to get on a horse, but she loves the the polo arena. And people there are very understanding. But I think that had I not brought her the first few times that I brought her, people had a lot of questions. And so I'm not ashamed of her. Um, other people are, so they hide them. 
And and I think that shouldn't be the case. Um, But if I can take her out to these places and I can generate awareness on autism, on special needs, um, that would make me very happy. Hmm. And I'm grateful that she lets me do that. Hmm. Okay, I want to understand that, you know, now you're all grown up, right? Yes. But um, growing up with, you know, um, an autistic sibling, um, what was that like? And also, you know, just kind of finding that out and then growing up with an autistic sibling. How, what was that like for you? So since she was born, I loved her so much yeah. that I think I was too young when we figured out what she had. Mm. Um, I think it was a bit harder in certain places mm. where, you know, people would at that time make fun of her or something. But it took some words from the Quran and some words from other people saying that um, I will never forget this guy said to me that God only gives special needs kids to people that he loves because and then they become really fortunate and I really feel like all of us are doing so well my whole family my brother myself and I think it's because we love her so much that in return what she's given us is God's blessings and I really think that everything that we have is because God is giving us through her. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you understand that, and even not even if it's not that, once you know that special needs is not their fault, mm-hmm. um, it's not who they want to be, um, then you get a lot more sympathetic. I've seen, although people be more sympathetic to their pets than they are to special needs kids, and that really annoys me. Somehow, like, I compare that a pet's understanding and a special need person's understanding is the same. So if they're being loud or if they're being difficult, it's because they can't communicate. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been very defensive of her. So I think how I've gotten better is I don't react. I do remember punching somebody when I was much younger. Mm -hmm. They said, your sister's goongi. So I smacked her and I said, now your nose is broken. It wasn't broken. The punch wasn't that hard. But, you know. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so that's what I wanted to understand, yeah. you know, because siblings, they they get they get to see all of that, you know, yeah. be, you know, on behalf of their siblings, you can say, you know, when they have siblings who are special needs, they have to feel and face a lot of things, yes. you know, because people will come and say things to them or bully them. And it's very hard because you love your sibling, yeah, you know, and having to hear these things, it can be very difficult. Yeah, yeah but we, first of all, we were in cantonments. So, okay, so... Uh, people were kinder and the ones that weren't Mm -hmm. um, very early on I decided um, so this girl that I punched (laughs) I'm sorry if you're watching this this girl (laughs) that I punched um, after that my you know Mm. mother and father sat me down and they had a word with me I think you'd be surprised to know it wasn't people outside that hurt as much as Mm. people inside the family and there are people that I will never talk to in my family for the words that they said uh, and the way they treated her so you think that strangers are going to be there? There's snakes in your own family that are going to be there. Women snakes in your own family that are going to go to say all sorts of things, which rate from Fatma, you're never going to get married because you have to look after her and who will accept you with, with the sister. Or there's some other comments that I'd rather not say because mm. they would be painful to hear. Mm. Um, but you learn to live with it. Mm. And uh, I think that I'd been bullied in high school, <laughs> all girls school convent. I'm not very fond of girls, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah. And so you get stronger and stronger and stronger. Mm. And I think that I give a lot of credit to my mother. She taught us not to be battami, so I didn't answer a lot. Mm. Uh, but now if anyone were to say anything, they'd have to hear 
a lot. But the family members that did not love her as much or said things about her are definitely cut off in my mind. And no matter how much they try to reach out to me, they won't. But there were other family members that went over and above. So that's really nice. And my friends were really nice. My brother's friends were really nice to my sister. So I think Allah blessed us with some good people. Yeah. Yeah. So when you moved to Dubai, um, back with your family we'll talk about your career now we'll get into your career yeah. but uh before that so you had spent some time in six years in america and yeah. lived a very independent life so moving in back with your family what was that like you know it's uh, did, did it suddenly feel like oh i was so independent and you know suddenly you didn't feel like that or so not so i'm very lucky with the mother that i have okay mashallah, mashallah yeah. she is the kind that says that okay if you are going somewhere mm-hmm. and you're not telling me I'm not even going to ask you it's your responsibility to tell me I think my father was more difficult but my father was traveling so I pretty much had an independent house my mother did say that you treat the the apartment as a hotel room bed and breakfast uh-huh. <laughs> um, but because we were in Dubai Dubai was very safe mm. um, and I was working in investment banking my brother was working in PE we had crazy hours and so both of us had crazy hours Um, so it was not that big of a problem and I'd always been a mommy and daddy's girl I loved staying at home I've moved back to Pakistan after all these years I will tell you that in the middle it did get difficult I think that once I started being more independent wanting to stay out more that's when I decided that I was going to move out of my parents house and I did for two years Mm -hmm. and came crawling right back (laughs) because one um, it wasn't worth it I think that was a mistake. I, I'll regret for the rest of my life. Um, and I also think that it's such a waste of money. I think that uh, when the people in West make fun of us, I always say, you know what? We don't have to take student loans. We don't have to take on debt. We can start our life easy. And your parents are going to be gone one day. Would you rather live alone and see them twice a year? Or would you be able to see them every day, even if it's for a short period of time? Mm-hmm. And if your parents... And I don't think girls have such a hard time with the parents anyway. Mm-hmm. I think it's boys who have a harder time moving back in. Yeah. Um, and till now, uh, I think my dad was away right now for, I had somebody over at my place and my dad was away. And so we were out all day. This was for Polo, so it wasn't like something else. Mm-hmm. The day my dad came back, we're leaving and he's like, where are you going? And then when will you be back? And so like, it's different with the dad, but my mother is so chill hmm. um, that moving in with her does not feel difficult. And I could live with her for the rest of my life, honestly hmm. speaking. Hmm. I hope to. <laughs> okay. So um, let's talk about your career. Okay. Right. Yeah. And uh, you've done really well Thank you. <laughs> in your career and, you know, um, worked in many places. Yes. Um, done some really good stuff. But how, where, where was that... Um, where was that point where you were like, okay, you started taking your career a bit more seriously or you felt like, okay, I love doing what I do? Yes. Yeah. Um, Kareem. Yeah. I talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd done some odd jobs. I'd worked in investment banking. I mm-hmm. realized early on that investment banking wasn't for me because there was a lot of making pitches and like, Excel and all of that not that I'm bad at it it's just I didn't enjoy it and then I tried my hand at a startup and um, somebody 
the CEO of that startup told me you should do operations. And I was really like, no, I'm not going to do okay, operations. Yeah. And I've done operations since then. Um, <laughs> he said, you have an eye for it. Okay. He said, you should either do sales or operations. And I said, sales, no way. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Mm. Um, but I think Kareem, mm. because what happened was at Kareem, they gave you so much responsibility mm. at such a young age and they didn't see that you're a girl or a guy or whatever. They just said, oh, she can work. She's willing to work. She's willing to learn. Let's give her that work. And I think working with some really smart people. So when you're working in an investment bank, there's like the CEO, then there's the MD, then there's GM, then there's this and this and this, and you're only talking to this person. Mm-hmm. So how much more can you learn? Mm-hmm. Um, when I started at Kareem, I used to sit next to Madasir, mm-hmm. who's now like incredibly well-known. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I used to sit next to him and I got that chance to learn from him. And I actually got up every morning really excited for what work was and over there I was eventually I expanded businesses so now I think that what I like doing is expansion because it's new it's for six months and then you go to a new place and then it's that but Kareem got me really excited and I got very very lucky and that's when I had to make a decision whether it's career or it's um you know, settling down. Yeah. And because my job was expansion and I had to be in a different city every few months, just like this time yeah. it was a few months, but just like the army, mm. I just focused a lot on my career. Yeah. And I just worked really, really hard. And I think the trick is that I didn't say no to anything. Because when you're in a startup, there's so many things that yeah. you could do. So I'd finish my work and I'd be like, what's next? Yeah. Or how can I help? Or I would sit with other teams and learn what they were doing. Because I was genuinely invested in making sure that Kareem was successful. Mm. And I felt like every person that was working was contributing. And when an employer or a CEO founder can make you feel that way, you'll see amazing results. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think one of the reasons why you felt, you know, so attached to the success of Kareem and everything was because you joined early on. Na? These were the early days of yes. Kareem, you know, yes. like, you know, sitting next to Mudasir Sheikha and everything. Um, and building it from, from scratch, scratch. Yes. That, that gives you a feeling of ownership hundred percent. Making it work and making it successful. Yes. As compared to, you know, joining um, a corporate jockey already chal rahi hai and exactly. you're just, you know, just one of the many, many fish. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So so I think it was that that had you feeling really passionate about. Uh, it was. It was also the team because I have been part of other okay, startups. Other not um, I would say the ones that I haven't even disclosed where it was pretty early on. Okay, yeah. Um but I think it's a mix of how you can get your hands dirty, how much trust they have in you Mm. as an individual. And the one thing I've noticed is with founders that do really well is they're really easily identify people who will be donkeys like me. (laughs) Um, I'm just kidding. Um, But I loved it, you know, like um, nothing else made me happy when I, other than just being at work and making sure that Kareem was going well. And the moment I feel that way about a company is when I know I'm going to stay, which is why, you know, the current company that I'm at, I'm going to stay for a while mm-hmm. because they make me feel that way. Mm-hmm. And the two things that in common is I've never been looked at as a girl in these companies. It's never, oh, she's a girl. I think it came up once when I was expanding and I was going to different countries and they said, oh, there's a girl going. And I think Mudassa said she's tougher than all of you men put together. So mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest compliments that I've ever yeah. gotten. Yeah. So, and... um. 
was your uh, the nature of your job in Kareem um, something that people could say oh this is not what women do or 100% okay what was that yes. what was it so I had to go to a new city or a country mm-hmm. and start the business from scratch okay. so I came to Pakistan and the team came later I came first I selected the first drivers mm-hmm. I did the first hiring I went to the first few universities to get brand ambassadors and so while Pakistan was okay but when I went to you know Iran to look at it they sent somebody with me mm-hmm. uh, we never launched in Iran but like other countries that I went to um, I remember where it became an issue was I was in Turkey mm-hmm. and we were about to launch in Turkey or I was doing the ex- exploration of Turkey so two of us girls went uh, there was two it was myself and two other girls in my team at that time. I had a very lean team. And so two of us went and there was that fake coup in um, Turkey. So Turkey shut down for three days and we weren't okay. able to come out. And okay, there was okay. like airstrikes and stuff. Okay. Um, that's when like a lot of people got freaked out. And so my question was, if a guy was there, would you not be as freaked out or is his life not as important? Mm-hmm. You know, and and so at that point in time, I think that's the only time they question it. But other than that... Um, there was a lot of she's a girl. She is it really safe for her to go country to country to launch? And luckily, I had parents that supported me, and I had a boss that supported me, and my brother who encouraged me. Um, so I held on to that job for a while. Yeah, yeah. So how long did you work in Kareem? I worked for four years and nine months. Yeah, and you launched it here in Pakistan. I did launch it. In, uh-huh. I launched it here in Pakistan. There's a lot of people that will say that they launched it, but I was the launch. <laughs> But that's okay. You know, yeah. at, at every single point in time, somebody came and contributed. But I did come in first. I did set up the first few drivers. I did set up the team. Um, I did train the team on the ground. Mm. Um, and then I was in Pakistan for nine months launching it. And then when the team had the hang of it, I I moved on to other markets. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I need to understand. So when you launched, launched Kareem in Pakistan, hired the first few drivers, like really set up the foundation in the system. What was your biggest challenge you felt here in Pakistan? setting that up I think the drivers were asking for a lot of money which we were willing to give Mm. I I think the challenge was that everyone that I spoke to said there will be not there there is no way that Kareem's gonna work because no brother or father or mother would let a girl sit in a car with a stranger Um, and you know what every time they said it my resolve grew stronger. Mm. So I started doing it. I did it myself. I would, I, when I first came, I was staying with relatives. My parents weren't here. Mm. And I would order a Kareem at every hour of the day. And I said, if I feel safe, and I would not tell them that I'm from Kareem, right? If I feel safe, I'll lead by example. And that's how, like, then we talked to the girls at Lums and they started feeling safe and they did it. So the challenge was the mentality of people here saying that this will never work or people asking for way too much money um, to do what we ask them to do or people saying this will never work. Um, However, let me tell you that Kareem, one of the smartest teams that we had in Kareem was the Pakistan team because the talent here is phenomenal. We just need to have companies come in that will actually um, be a part of blooming that talent, nurturing that talent and actually getting the full potential out of them. So the team was exceptional here. Mm-hmm. Most of them got a job in our headquarter, which, you know, whichever company you're with, mm-hmm. um, once you get an offer to go to the headquarter, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. So that challenge we overcame. Yeah, no, we uh, all see yes. <laughs> that everybody's using Kareem now. Yes. In fact, I feel like it's given, I think, 
uh, women and young girls so a lot of freedom a lot of freedom a lot of freedom. they actually are now able to step out because they have this option 100%. through this app through this through this you know company that's you know it's protecting them it is yeah you know how many women have thanked me and that makes me so happy because they say you know um we had to rely on our brothers or our fathers and some mothers have complained because the girls are too independent now <laughs> but i think um i've seen some girls mm. use kareem bike mm. which is also such a break in thinking like i wouldn't use a kareem bike because <laughs> you'd have to sit too close to the rider right yeah. but they're using it and mm. it's it's exceptional so yeah. i think anything that i can do that uplifts women or something it's every small thing that i can do for women yeah, this is my story as well because um so i was um studying in lahore so i yeah. was in the dorms here um and before kareem we all used to use rickshaw yeah and um it was it wasn't the most convenient wasn't the best hamara jo mayur university wo thi bhi thodi dur from the main city yeah so then kareem came in and our life became so much more That's you know so convenient and easier because yeah. we would just be like kareeming everywhere <laughs> uh, and we really wanted to make this a word let's kareem it because uh-huh. like, when we started out we said that it should be used as a verb so uh-huh. the fact that you just said it makes it see it's been what i left kareem in 2018 mm mm-hmm. and uh, so that's about you know Five years, yeah, six yeah, years, yeah. and I still talk about Kareem as us, mm-hmm. and circles which I'm at right now. No matter where I go next, or if I stay with them very long, I know that I will be saying us. So those are two companies that have really, really made me feel really special. Yeah, I feel yeah. like um, it's um, it's part of your identity. Yes, that's how is. I feel. Like you know, whenever somebody says Fatma Mazhar talks about Fatma, ex Kareem, ex Kareem, yes. like everybody knows you. You know, because you you were one of the you were one of the people you know who made the company. You yes, know, and made. there is actually some phenomenal women other than myself who mm-hmm. were the part of this. And you know, I I'd give a shout out to Kulsum, who was our social mm-hmm. media manager and. fast job mm-hmm. and Tanzila who did twitter for us and i think twitter made such a difference uh-huh. and so there's so many unsung women heroes in companies mm-hmm. and i think that if we could just make them shine mm-hmm. it would be great mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so then why did you leave kareem uh where did you go look i had been working in kareem for 5 years mm-hmm. f- almost 5 years and you have to understand that no matter where you are at some point in time your growth is going to be stagnated mm-hmm. you can only climb up to a certain point mm-hmm. and then there has to be a leap of something that makes you go to the next level because by the time we were there kareem had enough money to get the people from like the likes of facebook or all of these people where they'd worked and i'm not just saying facebook i'm just saying you know these companies so um i decided that i wanted to do something that would revive my career so i i decided to quit but uh, mutasir said why don't you take a um why don't you take a sabbatical okay yeah and so i didn't leave kareem i took a sabbatical and i applied to my dream school mit and i got in and i did an mba ah yeah. so beach mein ye bhi hua <laughs> yes i did i did um i'd also i told you that i had to from my bachelor's i went straight into my masters and what i really wanted to do was an mba mm-hmm. and in the US it's practically impossible for you to get into an MBA program if you haven't done work experience mm-hmm. so at the back of my head and i talked about it a lot and i wanted to do it and just god works in mysterious ways so my one of my best friends and i that 
were Dubai best friends had talked about wanting to go to B school. He said, I want to go to Harvard. I said, I want to go to MIT. And without talking to each other, we applied the same year, got in and were, uh, he was at Harvard and I was at MIT at the same time. Oh. So I went to MIT and while I was at MIT, um, Imran Khan got elected. Uh-huh. And I said, I'm going back to Pakistan. And, you know, everyone who's anyone said, why would you go back to Pakistan? And I said, this, this is a Pakistan I can be proud of. So I said no to a lot of job offers. Kareem said, come to HQ or Dubai. We don't need you in Pakistan. Pakistan had a big team. There was no space for me there. Okay. And I also said, I've done whatever I could have there. Mm-hmm. So I decided to leave Kareem and I got into Keep Trucking as the GM. Uh-huh. And then I moved with Keep Trucking to Pakistan. I think I graduated on the 15th of June and 1st of July, I was in Pakistan working for them. Mm. Took me 15 days <laughs> to like pack up my life in Boston and move here. Uh, and how was Keep Trucking? Keep Trucking was incredible. Mm. So Shoaib Makani and Ubaid Khan, um, I think this question would be very weird, but I did ask them, I said, I haven't lived in Pakistan for 17 years. Are you sure that you're okay with a female GM in Pakistan? Because I didn't know how things were going to be. Um, and they said that there is no place for anyone that will not be comfortable with a female GM. Uh-huh. And I think that was incredible. So I came here um, and I, um, I think I might look a bit younger than I am because I'm not that young. And I think the first few days I heard comments like, hey, dude, piti bachi ko hamara GM bana diya. Yeah, you know, some mean comments here and there. But then I worked with the team and I uh, and I managed about, you know, a team of 2000 people. Mm-hmm. And so it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got called to a lot of podcasts to say, you know, how does it feel to be a woman leader? And I said, till you start calling me a leader and not a woman leader, I will not come and speak because mm. I think I'm a leader and we should not say woman leader. Mm. However, it was a very fun experience. However, um, did I say however twice? It was a fun experience, but um, the role of GM got too boring for me. Okay. I just feel like it was the same thing day in, day out. And so I'd really like expanding with um, um, keep, uh, uh, with, with Kareem. Uh, Kareem. Yeah. And so there is my nemesis at uh, Kareem, somebody who I can't work with, but I love as a person and outside of the office. And so I told him, let me come to Kareem Pakistan as a GM. He said, no, you'll be bored in two days and you'll leave. I said, no way. And so after the two years that I was at Keep Trucking and I wanted to leave because I was bored with the role, I called him and I apologized because I was like, yeah, you were right. You I were really right. can't do this role. Yeah, and I think especially, yeah. a, like you said, growing up, you were like always, always moving. moving. Yeah. So, I'm, so see, I was in college and I told you I, w- I went to two different countries. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even complete the two years that I was supposed to complete. Even with, with my master's, I did two semesters in other universities. Ah, okay. So I don't, every time I say I want to set my roots up, it never happens. No, but I understand that yeah. because it's the same for me. Yeah. And uh, maybe not as much as you, but it is kind of like that. So it's like, you know, um, in a few years, I'm I'm done. I want change. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm kind of, in a way, addicted to change. You know how yes. people are sometimes and afraid of change? I love change. I, I love want change. the change. Where is the change? <laughs> that is very, very yeah. true. Yeah. So, no, but I've been saying recently that I don't want change. So when I moved back to Pakistan, mm. I moved to Islamabad mm. and then COVID hit. So I came back home. And I was like, you know, this is great. Mm. Why would I live anywhere else? Mm. And then I got this job with Circles and they wanted me to be based out of Islamabad. And so I moved to Islamabad. And then when I finished the project with them in Islamabad, I moved back home. And now they've got other projects which have me traveling to 
two very different countries in the next few months mm. and i just was having a conversation can i do it and my dad said listen you know as soon as that is finalized you'll be the first one on the plane and gone <laughs> yeah. um but this is why you know having a family and having a partner i don't know if that's going to work not sorry don't call it partner husband is going to work because who's going to put up with somebody who moves every 6 months yeah so unless they move with you yeah so let's talk about that yeah. right so um पहले इट वॉज यू नो यू सेट की योर पेरेंट्स वेर एक्सपेक्टिंग ठीक है पढ़ के आएगी फिर मास्टर्स करेगी या फिर शादी करा लेंगे राइट सो इन दिस इंटायर टाइम यू नो मैरिज डिन कम एनी वेयर इन द पिक्चर राइट एंड यू सेट वन ऑफ थीम्स दैट यू फील स्ट्रॉगली अबाउट इज यू नो वुमेन एंड मैरिज एंड यू हैड वेरी लाइक अ सेट लीडरशिप रोल इन योर करियर एंड यू डूइंग सो वेल इन योर करियर सो how do you feel about this idea around you know women getting married and everything and how that did, did that didn't happen for you or you didn't make it a priority for yourself what That's was it a good question yeah. so i think when i was growing up i said no to marriage and i said you know this isn't going to work out but i think the main the time it really hit me was when i got the position at kareem mm-hmm. that was about the right time if i'd wanted to get married you know i was in my late 20s um when i was thinking about um the opportunity at kareem right that came at a time when i should have been looking at my i was already too late i think after 25 people started at 22 people started asking me the question after i graduated but um we were in dubai i was working my parents weren't too bothered um i think the first time they got bothered was when my brother said okay i'm ready to get married you my elder sister you know he asked me for permission and i said yes go ahead mm-hmm. it just never worked out i think at at first it was like i don't want to get married and then the other thing was when my parents weren't able to find anyone for me mm-hmm. um or they they talked to a lot of people and it just didn't happen so it feels it feels like it was written in the cards but then i think about it um with kareem i took 286 flights in 2 years My goodness which means that I was oh in a God. different city different country every few days right yeah. and so when you think about that and you think about marriage is 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 a partnership right like how would i like it if i get married to somebody and he's traveling all the time yeah that's just not fair that's just too difficult mm-hmm. so i thought okay after kareem and then after kareem i went to mit and so then after mit i thought okay when i go to pakistan but, but by the time i came to pakistan i was at an age where you know pakistani men were like <laughs> mm-hmm. or in my head they were like no mm-hmm. so i didn't prioritize it i prioritized my career and i definitely think because i've heard converse i've been in rooms where like a lot of women are not where yeah. you know we're thinking of promoting somebody and the question comes and they're like okay she this job requires travel will she be able to travel is she married is 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 the shaadi on a plan are babies on on plan which are questions that you really can't ask at least abroad but here they have come up and um I feel like I wouldn't be where I am if I had been married not just married had kids so you know who you really need to appreciate women that are doing it in their career who and in their families that are able to balance that mm-hmm. and still do really well would be incredible because I feel like maybe I wouldn't have been able to so the credit goes there and a lot of uh when they ask me about women in leadership and women in that I One I have imposter syndrome so I I don't know what people are talking about when you say oh you did really well I'm like okay really did I did I, I need constant reassurance reassurance but mm-hmm. would I be able to do it if I had children at home 
that I had to leave and go on months. Mm-hmm. I had I have two nieces I love. Mm-hmm. They are the center of my world. Mm-hmm. My relationship with my family changed when my nieces came into my life because I wanted to be home more. I wanted to spend time mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a better person for them. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I do not now want to do because I think okay, my nieces are looking up to me with would they appreciate it i uh, love them uh, right and i'm their popo so i have to work extra hard because you know what popo's reputation is in pakistan <laughs> right yes you're fighting the the stereotype also i am fighting the stereotype <laughs> no but i'm so, you don't understand i'm actually scared because you know people yeah. always love their khalas more and popo's don't get that much love <laughs> and so it really scares me that there'll be a day where they'll be like oh she's just my popo and she's annoying so i go overboard <laughs> um but you know i want to set a good example for them and i so Once my baby said, "Fatma, can you please drive the kids from my house to her house?" and I said, "No." And she said, "Why are you saying no?" I said, "No. What if something happens to them in the car? What what if I'm driving and something happens? I couldn't live with myself. This is how I am with my nieces. I don't know how I would be with my children. I don't know if I'd leave them out of my sight. I don't know if I would be able to leave them. It I get panicked when I think about that situation, right? So I whenever i have women that work with me that have kids i love them so much because i'm like that is a sacrifice i don't quite know if i would have been able to make hmm. so there's a lot of appreciation a lot of love and a lot of the criticism is taken off when a, when a, when they say that women aren't willing to do it wow how how can you i don't know yeah 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 i don't know mm-hmm. there's mad props to all the women that have kids and are doing as well as they are because i really really think if i'd chosen to be married and had mm-hmm. kids i would have said no to my career a long time ago hmm and i made i made a conscious choice and i don't know ready i i know i do not know yet if i'm ready to say i regret it mm-hmm. but every time i see a kid now mm-hmm. i do have that at the back of my mind so mm-hmm. it's a very very tough choice so yeah. people who are watching people who want to do both know that you'll be a little divided in your heart mm-hmm. on always am i doing this well enough so am i sacrificing my kids if i'm looking after my kids am i sacrificing my job and somebody who is like an overthinking like me would go crazy yeah <laughs> but talk to me in another year and i'll tell you maybe i <laughs> i look at my nieces and i'm like it'd be nice to have one of those huh, for myself huh, huh, yeah. yeah so you have um you know traveled so much because of your work um and you have worked for a very long time so can you tell me your thoughts generally about women in workplaces whether that's in pakistan whether that's abroad um what has that experience like been for you it depends on company to company mm-hmm. i wouldn't say country to country because okay. look everywhere if you choose the wrong company to mm. work for mm. you will face it mm. everywhere so i am very particular about the company that i'm choosing to work at i will go to glassdoor i will go to ex employees i will ask them and i will see exactly what the women are saying about that place mm. right i will also check who's in the leadership how many women are in the leadership and what role are women in the leadership you can say i have three three women in my and they'll be the head of legal head of hr and head of marketing right mm. those roles that you traditionally think belong to women mm. the number of times in pakistan i've been asked so marketing or hr it boils my blood because people think those are the only two things women can do mm. and i know some 
kick-ass marketeer men who should be offended at that question you yeah. know so i think it depends on the company and the country and very early on mm-hmm. i chose to identify myself as somebody who works at a company regardless so of my gender, gender. Yeah. and i think that a lot of times I'm going to speak about myself not about women. Okay. A lot of times when I did not do something as well and I did not get that promotion, the easy route would be it's because I'm a woman. Okay. Right? There are times that that happens, but we have to be very objective about is it happening because I'm a woman mm-hmm. or is it happening because I have not delivered up to the task. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that a lot of mediocre men can get away by doing a job that an exceptional woman has to do and there are some very mediocre men that get a very easy ride because they're men yeah. for a job and yeah. they they will look at things like oh he doesn't have a family well he can travel well he can stay late at night mm-hmm. you know at kareem when we started off i have this amazing colleague kulsum she made it very clear that she can stay late at night mm. right and so sometimes i was asked by other people that she can't stay at night do we have to keep her and i said i want her talent more than i want her in the office right so i if she's saying she can do this while she's at home and she picks up my call at home and all of this in the background i think you can change your colleagues thinking and you can change the way things are at work and they are changing even in pakistan they're getting a bit better all of this then boils down to the thinking of the father and the brother and the mother mm-hmm. and so when i talk about women in the workplace i have to push and talk about them how they train your mind when you go out like or you have to be careful because you're a woman actually you do in pakistan because it's not safe yeah it's not safe um yeah. however i think things are changing the me too movement that happened way back when is mm-hmm. now translating into yeah. into pakistan as mm-hmm. well and we are getting better mm-hmm. but again it depends on how strong you are as a woman mm-hmm. how scared or intimidated they are by you mm-hmm. they'll stay away and what role at you are as you're at a senior more senior role you get harassed less so it's <laughs> the new entrant women mm-hmm. in the special socio economic um job titles that are more troubled mm-hmm. than others okay yeah interesting so you said that the that the more sort of power you have in the company or if you're in a leadership role it's different because obviously you are um leading them right but do you think that people find it hard to accept women in leadership yes. positions yes okay. i remember i will not name the company but mm. i remember there was um were <laughs> we were doing a project mm. and it was the busiest night and there was chaos everywhere and so i naturally not naturally i just stepped in because the leader of that team was mm-hmm. off and so we were all trying to work and i saw chaos and my mind just organized something so i got up i told everyone to keep quiet i said this is what we'll do this is what we'll do this is what we'll do and the next day i got called in by hr and i was told that i'm too bossy um and i'm american i still to this day this is the feedback that i don't understand what does it mean that you're american and i was told that i shouldn't be that bossy because i offended a lot of the people um so i blame that hr lady a lot because at that point in time she should have said you don't do this 
But I took it, I, I took her advice, I said yes, and I did that the other day, the, the next day, and the next day, because I'm not going to let anyone tell me that I'm being bossy if the work is being done, so you look at the work. But again, you have to have some sponsors in the company. So what I've been blessed with is one or the other leadership member has been a sponsor, uh, which means that they will have my back if I go out of hand. So your work has to be so good. But, but this is where I say that for any mediocre job, for any job, a mediocre man will have to get it. And so I always let my work speak. I worked harder than anyone else. So as women, you have to work harder than anyone else to be appreciated. Your work has to be more perfect than anyone else. And that cannot change. That will not change. It might change in the, in the future. But if you want to do well, be prepared to work harder, longer, smarter than any man in there because that's the only way you'll shine yeah i agree with you you really have to prove yourself and you have to fight way it's maybe fight the fight of stereotypes yes uh, you know because you're not just you know you're not just there to prove you know that you are capable of this work yes you have to do that as well but also you know break all these biases yes. gender biases in people's head the, the assumptions that they have about you yeah yeah and, and so i think uh, it's not even proving yourself once right <laughs> you have to turn up every day and you have to prove yourself every day and it does get exhausting but i think that because i think it was like a couple of years ago when i reflected on my life and I thought, okay, this is what I've chosen to do. So I have no choice but to be excellent because what else do I have? Mm -hmm. I've chosen this path, so I have to be good, but it gets exhausting, right? Mm -hmm. And you still get all sorts of comments. At this age, I get this comment, like which uh, marketing or HR, um, how many people do you manage? Acha, do they do they listen to you? Or are, you are you actually managing them? Or did your dad help you get this job? Mm -hmm. My dad didn't help me get any job. He said, I will not help you. Mm. Um, not that he could either. What, what could an army, <laughs> retired army person do at that yeah. point in time? Mm. Although he had a really good job after he retired. So, mm. um, But it does get very, yeah. very difficult. Mm. You shout, which I don't ever do. But if you're frustrated and you shout, she's getting emotional. Yeah. If you, um, I was told once that I would never do well in life because I'm way too empathetic to my employees, to my team. I was then told that you're too frank with your team. They will take it the wrong way. I have been told that I think like a woman. And I said, thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. That does not mean that I've not gone back home and cried and, 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 and thought this is not fair and this is not that. But I think to f it's, it's a struggle every day. But if in your mind you start seeing yourself as somebody who's contributing to the company and somebody who can just answer back respectfully without emotion and it took me a long time to say take the emotion out of it and this is where the they do better they yeah. don't take it personally yeah i still struggle with that huh. but i think i've had some great mentors mm. but it shouldn't be like that you know like a guy will not come sit here and say oh the reason why i've been able to do great is i had like a support system that backed me up or i had like somebody who like spoke for me I've said the exact same thing in the exact same tone and been told off whether it is um, in a polo match. So in the polo match, you have an empire mm. and you're not supposed to speak to the empire. But yeah. I'm 
you know, very passionate, as I told you. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm very passionate, but the guy is just, you know, being a guy. Mm-hmm. So if I say something to the empire and somebody else, say my friend says the same thing to the empire, I will be penalized because this lady doesn't is getting emotional mm-hmm. on the field. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it goes in every aspect. Mm-hmm. How you deal with it yeah. is what matters. And it took me a very long time to learn to deal with it. Not that it still doesn't bother me. The person who asked me like uh, marketing or HR, mm-hmm. I said, do you think that's the only thing women do? Mm-hmm. But you have to bite your tongue sometimes. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. And these are the assumptions, the biases that I said that you constant, you're constantly fighting against. Yes. Assumption ke HR marketing hi hoga. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, I bought a car huh. in Pakistan hmm. and I took it out. It's a Mercedes. I was very proud of it. Um, you know, I'd worked really hard. Yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, yeah. I was so offended because I was asked, so, oh, your daddy love, must love you a lot because he bought you this car. Um, I, I've made a paste, post on Facebook about buying my first property in Pakistan, right? So like I'm, I'm, I'm doing investments and, and I'm older than most people when they do this, right? I've, okay. I've spent a lot of time to get here to a point where I can do this. And I posted about it and a lot of people said, you know, oh, your dad. Um, I play polo. In polo, you have to buy horses, you have to feed horses, you have to do this. Mm. 90% of the people that play polo have a... F- family business or they have parents that support them they're all men mm-hmm. i am the single female patron that earns herself mm-hmm. buys her horses herself feeds her horses herself and then makes a team herself and even then like i have to say you know no, no my dad's not involved my dad said i will not give you any money for polo because it is money down the drain which is actually true <laughs> so these are the kind of things that will never go away in Pakistan. Apart from that, you know, moti ho gyo, thoda sa weight lose kar lo. Maybe some guys will like you. You're not married yet. Like fix your skin. You might get, you know, you don't look that old. But if you lose some weight, maybe you'll be able to get somebody. Never realizing that maybe we don't need somebody or we don't want somebody. And somebody who loves me for how thin I look, is that really somebody I want to get married to? <laughs> but this is what's wrong not worldwide this is pakistan okay but other than pakistan there is all this i think size doesn't matter that much in other places okay. pakistan your color your size your hair uh, what you wear how you look all matters and whether you're married or not whether you're married or not <laughs> I, I got into mit mm-hmm. and i you know i top three moments of my life easily okay right mm-hmm. it, it, it's gonna rank up there no matter what happens now it's gonna yeah. rank up there yeah. i paid for it myself i got it got into it myself I made the decision myself and so um, one of my colleagues uh, wrote to me uh, congratulating me and at the end and, and there's like a lot of people on this email chain he said now you'll be able to find a really good guy come back with the guy so no matter what you do so I play polo I'm from MIT I work and still work my ass off I have my own flat, I have my, my own car. You know, I've done everything that a man would do and be considered successful. And I still have to hear, not married, don't have any kids. And everyone asks you, mm-hmm. so am I always going to be defined by that? Am I going to die being being this person that never got married and people are just going to look at me with sad puppy eyes and say, oh no, she's not married, something must be wrong with her. Mm. 
So I feel like I keep doing all of this to prove a point. And at one point in time, I'm, I just got sick of it. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. If they ask me, why are you not married? I'll be like, nobody really liked me. <laughs> what else can I say? Yeah. But why is it? Why no. is it that you're defined by who you marry? Hmm. How many kids you have? Whether it's a son or a girl? It's, a, it's, it's interesting because, you know, for women, that's the metric of success. You know? Why? I don't know. I'm just saying like... ہمارے ملک میں یا ہمارے کلچر میں شادی ہوئی یا نہیں بچے ہوئے یا نہیں گھر میں کھانا بنا لیا یا نہیں سو آئی نو سم ون ہو یو نو گاڈ میرج اینڈ شی واز ڈوئنگ ویری سکسیزفل in her career she was in uh, she was a doctor so yeah. she was uh, going to the hospital in the morning and then um, she had some other business on the side that she was doing her own small business so she was doing that and every time you know like she could be doing surgeries at the hospital doing whatever the hell in the hospital and uh, you know working on her business on the side but every time you know she would come home um, you know her mother-in-law would say chalo beta khana lagao and it was all about and it was like It didn't matter. Like the moment she entered the house, your mother-in-law just tried to suddenly remind her, you know, because it was it was yeah. a clear statement that she would make. Listen, this is your real job. Yeah. Now that you've done all the fun you wanted to have outside, you know, this is your <sighs> real job. Now, now, now let's go into the kitchen. You know, That you can do awful. you can do whatever, you know, you want. outside outside you can achieve anything but can you make food is, is is the real question and you can do absolutely nothing but if you can make the food you're you've succeeded at life you know as a woman so this wanna, is not fair at all it's, it's not fair at all and i think like i did consider in the so a couple of years ago i was like okay i'm ready to get married i've come to pakistan i've okay. you know how does this work how how does this marriage thing work right and so i spoke to my brother mm. you know i really wish more sisters had him as a brother and he like really went into the depth of it he's like okay tell me tell me tell me and he kept saying it and in the end it turned out that i really wanted to get married because i wanted my parents to be able to say that our daughter is married so i'm not embarrassed that I'm not married because I think that it's totally fine I think I'm able to take care of myself and yes maybe when you need a companion you'll feel the need but I feel like Allah also has a plan you know what Allah doesn't want um, I, I'm very close to God and it happened when I came back to Pakistan it's a beautiful transformation but studying that I realized that you know you um, Allah has a plan as well but I just want my parents to be able to say it I, I see my parents sometimes say oh you know this person has like two daughters and sons uh. Forget that. Let's talk about how my brother has two daughters and people won't leave him alone to have a third because maybe that could be a son. Oh my god. Let's talk about how like when he had a second daughter people said, "Oh, maybe it should have been a guy." And yeah, thank god. Chalo next time inshallah beta ho jayega. Can you imagine? How do you think children are born? They are born because there are women in this earth. So if everyone starts producing men, how are you going to have a population that's going to grow? And how are you going to get more boys if that's what you're so obsessed with? Exactly. <laughs> how, who's going to cook your food? Who's going to mother oh, you at the age of freaking 35, 45, 55, which is what like, so you know, absurd, men want. Uh, It is. So yeah. I think that apart from women in, in the workplace, 
what you said is beautiful in the sense that if we did have women in the workplace as well they would be expected to do this i thought this was a, i so i've been on these you know some of these um pakistani pages right with women and stuff and i thought like they were joking about some of the stuff that they said but there was okay. a series about like ridiculous things that r- rich aunties have refused you for or whatever and in there like people were saying all sorts of stories like this is ridiculous and then my friend um younger sister she was approached by somebody for a rishta because they were looking for a tall fair doctor okay right and so when they started talking they were like okay she's perfect she's fair she's why this girl's beautiful she's going to be a doctor she's really really smart and they said yes um once you finish your doctorate uh, no need to do a house job we want a doctor but we don't want you to work afterwards so this actually happens so what it and how does it matter if she's tall or fair or a doctor if she's a horrible person you're going to have a horrible life and it is women that are becoming these mother-in-laws that are becoming these mother-in-laws so it all stops the buck stops here we are our biggest enemies and if we were to turn around and say our mothers were say go work our mother-in-laws would say yes this is good i'm proud of you things would be different yeah. who why are we out there blaming men yeah we need to fix ourselves first now a lot of the patriarchy and misogyny we the women perpetuated in a lot of the homes 100%. the father in law or father in law couldn't give her access about the marriage but the mother in law will be like no i have to ensure that she does this and this for my son you know and for the household so, and the yeah. so this is what bothers me a lot women will not let other women grow in an organization mm-hmm. women will compete with other women in the organization when they should be competing with men or you know compete in the same role to get promoted doesn't matter if it's a woman or women will sit there and gossip about other women so when we talk about the workplace or when we talk about this we as women ourselves have to be better like i will tell you that i will really look at when people are walking in i will look at a women woman's outfit i will check her hair out i will check her makeup i'll say okay what what is she doing and sometimes i would be a little judgmental i check it but mostly when people are walking in front of me and when people watching and women looking at women usually inspired by them because lahore has <laughs> such beautiful yeah. women who take such good care of them <laughs> so true. i feel really really bad shout out to the lahori women mm-hmm. they always look stunning all yeah, the time do, yeah. and they really know how to take care of everything mm-hmm. and they're so th- gorgeous right whatever size um but if women were to uplift women i have this colleague her name is shamsa shout out she's the first colleague that i've met mm-hmm. both of us had each other's back um we had some problem in our office we both had it we talked to each other and honestly i wanted to lift her she wanted to lift me we became friends but this is the first time in 16 years of myself working that i can tell you except for the two girls tanzila and kulsum at the start of my kareem career that i if i were up for a promotion and she were up for a promotion she would take my name and i would take her name two girls in 16 years and i could give you a host of men i mean they would fight me tooth and nail for it but they would also be like okay you deserve it as well i've never had 
a good experience with a lot of the women that I've worked with because they're always competing. They're always some sort of scandal. There's always some sort of drama. There's always some sort of this. And maybe I was one of the drama one at one point in time, right? I'm not saying I'm perfect. Mm. I'm just saying that we make it difficult. Yeah. And I've seen it. I've seen it in my real eyes, women choosing men to get promoted because, oh, maybe she's going to have a baby. She just got married or whatever. At the end of the day, everyone's going to look after their business, mm-hmm. whatever they're working in their role. But my question is, why always blame men when it's the women that yeah, need we to look need to them? Like, it's true. We need to take responsibility. You know, uh, it's very easy to sit and complain and put all the blame on men, men for making our lives difficult. But we need to take responsibility and uh, be accountable for our actions as well on how we, what role we are playing in... Um, 100%. Supporting other women. What are we doing? If we... So everyone who's listening or like if you're sitting here, when was the last time? I mean, you do this for a living, you uplift women. So, you know, you're one of the very few, right? Mm-hmm. I've also seen, and I'm not going to take names, but I've also seen people say we're going to be doing this for women, this for women, this for women. And that really doesn't happen. It's a, it's a selling tactic for themselves. So we just really need to be honest. And I think that it's very easy to just say, oh, you know what? It's the men after us. And by the way, Pakistani men might be a bit difficult, Mm -hmm. but who enables them to be difficult? If there is a man Mm. who's being very difficult towards his wife, they all live with their mother-in-laws, right? These women. If she were to step in, how would things change? And it's going to start from there. It's going to start from your mother's not telling you that marriage is the most important thing. It's going to start from mother's not telling you, don't go sit outside, you'll get dark. Don't cut your hair. Men will not like you. Mm. We're so basic and back in our thinking Mm. that in Pakistan, we need to change that. These are the conversations we need to be having. Mm. The other conversations come much later. I remember I had, I actually once, and there's a lot of witnesses to that. I was at, I'm, I'm a shareholder at Collabs. I was at Collabs. We didn't talk much about it. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite places to be mm-hmm. at. Um, I had a colleague there where her dad was refusing to let her work and I begged him. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the conversation, I cried saying that she has so much potential. Just please give her one more chance and let her work mm-hmm. because she's going to do really, really well. There were other reasons why she wasn't being allowed to work. That's not the point. But the point is that that's how much I enjoyed her work and I thought she would do well. And I've always advocated for at least the women that are working in my office. Mm -hmm. That's the one step you can take, right? But if you stop competing and if you stop being jealous, that's the word. Yeah, that is the word. It's that. It's It's the jealousy. And it shouldn't be because everyone offers something different, right? And I think that everyone's beautiful in their own way. This Mm. whole like, what is she wearing? Why is she wearing this? Who am I to judge? Mm. I get judged on a lot on what I'm wearing as well. So I think that (laughs) is a sort of (laughs) mostly by my parents as well. Are you wearing? Are you seriously wearing that Uh out? Please change. Mm. Um, But that's years of being abroad and then figuring out Uh how to make it here. Uh So that's it. I think that I get. I I was at MIT and. Mm. I talked about women hating on women and I got a lot of flack from women that had gotten into MIT. (laughs) 
for saying what I said. I they weren't very happy. They said that we should stick together, and I said the whole point about sticking to together is being truthful as well. Mm-hmm. And let's see how uh, united we are. All the men were always united, but the women had groupings. The ah. one grouping and the other grouping, ah. but anyway. Ah. Um, okay, how about we? You brought up co- collabs. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about collabs. Um, how did you end up there? Oh, it's a very funny story. Mm. So, I decided to do. Okay, I'll be honest now. So after keep trucking, mm. I didn't have a backup. I've never had a backup when I've left a job. By the way, I've always when I wanted to leave a job. Uh, trust that risk upper se aata hai and trust that something's going to happen and always have enough saving for a month or two that if i don't get something that i can survive so keep trucking i i wasn't very excited by the role they didn't have many other roles if i had to do a role i had to move to the us because that's where the roles were um and so that wasn't an option for me because i really do want to be with my parents mm-hmm. close to them at mm-hmm. least um So what I decided to do at that time there was a boom in the Pakistani economy money was coming in startups and so a lot of people were telling me do a startup do a startup do a startup and so I said I I don't want to be a single founder I've seen a lot of startups I've advised a lot of startups to see being a single founder and especially a single female founder was not going to fly women don't get a lot of money as uh, founders you can do the research like women you founders. They, like um Investors don't invest. Investors do not invest yeah. in women-led startups. Yeah. There's a lot of data on that. Right? Yeah, I I have yeah. some idea. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm sure you would. Yeah. And also because women are more careful, so the the research says we're more careful with money because we've managed it all our lives, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's our at our homes or stuff. That's that's what they say, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I said I'll go with another founder. So this investor he pushed me. in with a founder and I decided not to spend a lot of time and he also decided that we wouldn't get to know each other very very well and we jumped into this and we had very different working styles very very different I'm very very friendly with the people I work with and I'm very empathetic and I would rather do more for employee welfare than I would for the company um and that's where I've been told repeatedly that I would not be a good leader because I put people first but my philosophy is if you invest in your people they'll be happier they'll make your customer happier and the circle will come all around yes. um and luckily I'm at a company now that believes that but yeah. so I left that um startup 4 months in um nobody really does that i quit being a founder within 4 months mm-hmm. um pissed off that investor quite a lot and um i wanted to go sit at a co-working space and figure my life out i was like what do i want to do because i still don't know what i want to do right and so i went um I told my dad we were just having a conversation he said what do you want to do next I said this is what I want to do he said oh I know Omar Shah he worked with us at Colab so why don't you go to Colab you'll sit there so I went and got an office there and from the moment I got the office there Omar Shah was like you have to work with us he was um in the process of raising funds for Colabs he said that if you come on board it'll be fun and um, I stayed there for a month I helped him raise around um which I'm really proud of because you know investors were willing to put in the money and then I invested a little in collabs and the day to day was again really boring we weren't expanding at that time and the expansion is mostly related to construction okay. when it comes to co-working spaces mm, yeah yeah and that wasn't exciting mm. so I went from keep trucking to my own startup to collabs within like the two year period I'd done three so that gave a lot of um problems to prospective employers and mm. i said listen you should be happy i know what i want 
I know what makes me happy. So I will not sit there and take salary from you and drag it out huh. till I find something else. I'll huh. be gone. And they huh. said so. So I found circles where I am. It's a Singapore-based telco company which is doing projects all over the world. I work remote for them, and um, the one thing that I keep telling them is that I'm never treated as a woman. Mm-hmm. They some of the smartest. people that they have are across operations customer happiness engineering all leaders are women mm. and it is just an incredible environment and it, that's where women are uplifting women mm-hmm. we usually are like saying something bad about a guy but never uh, about <laughs> women and so um but that's a joke we don't even have that much time so yeah. but seeing a company that has like women in these really incredible roles like engineering um and operations mm-hmm. head this departments and do such a phenomenal job just makes me happy yeah and so having I'm, that culture where yeah. uh women are supporting women right and if you have yeah. women like that in your le- leadership roles yeah. that's the culture that's going to get defined then it's going to trickle down yeah and <laughs> it is it's it's yeah. really really good i've in, i've spoken to a bunch of women to say this is this is what you should do and i really told i don't i don't like to praise my bosses too much or give them a lot of good feedback i think it goes to their head and they get it all the time anyway it should be honest uh-huh. but um i did say that i feel like i'm not a woman at um I forgot the name of circles. Circles. Yeah. I was going to say collabs. Uh, and that's a big compliment for them. Hmm. And uh, you know we just have a hard time being heard. I don't know if you've felt this but if you're sitting in a room even with friends sometimes I'm sitting with friends and they'll talk over me or I'm talking and they'll just start speaking. My dad does it to me all the time. I this is my biggest complaint with him. I'm talking and he'll just start talking about something else randomly. Um and Circles was the first place. I think I had tears in my eyes the first time this happened. It's the first place where when I speak they listen. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a very senior leadership role at Circles not at all and and I think that's the one thing I didn't discuss is I went my career's gone like this to this to this to this mm-hmm. because I was looking for culture now is looking at people so whatever role they offered me I'd take and then I'd gradually make my way up mm. right because I'm not hungry for leadership which is where I think another thing where women don't excel is we're not hungry for that leadership role we're not hungry for recognition we're not hungry for the bigger paycheck mm-hmm. so we're the jealousy like a, that competition yeah yeah it it's not there then right No, no, it's there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think some of us are not looking yeah, for yeah. that yeah, I think okay. that's very true no mm. we are looking mm. I think the aspiration to be here like when you ask mm. you know a woman mm. and i've done this where do you want to be in 5 years versus when you ask a man where do you want to be in 5 years the answers are very very different it's like okay i want to be the ceo of this company uh-huh. versus i i would i would like to manage my team so i think our aspirations and our goals and that's combined with imposter syndrome the training that we've had the ambition it's, that it's, we've it's had it's it's many reasons it's imposter syndrome it's also like never you know you can when you when you are imagining yourself or when you're dreaming or when you are thinking of your goals and if you haven't seen a woman in those roles 100% you know you Beautiful. can't imagine yourself in it yeah. the representation hasn't been there you know if you haven't seen it you won't dream it you That's don't believe it true. that it's something that you can do as well and i really want some representation yeah. i really want it <laughs> i think um 
there's two times Mudassar asked me, where do you see yourself in five years? So once when he was interviewing me and I mm. said, in your seat. And he was taken <laughs> back. And the second year, second time he asked me, I look at all these Indian women that are CEOs or COOs of Fortune 500 companies. <laughs> there's no Pakistan. Let alone a woman, there's no man Pakistani, uh-huh, right? Yes, so I was like, yeah. maybe one day if I could do that. Mm-hmm. But it seems so far-fetched. How will I get there? What will I have to do to get there? I'm in startups. The the doubts keep coming in, but we don't have anyone there. But maybe we will see you there, Fatma. Maybe we will see you there. <laughs> no, you no, no. <laughs> Why did you say you no, maybe. no, no? This is, this, see, this is a no, no, no that comes up. I think you could be there a lot faster than me if you put your mind to it. You set up a business yourself. Mm-hmm. You have a following. Mm-hmm. You yeah. <laughs> you have me offended saying, why did I not get invited? Why haven't I been here? Uh-huh. You know? Uh-huh. And you've done it at a much younger age than I have. And you have a husband and a kid. You, you've done it all. <laughs> you know, what what people that, you know, that criticize so you, what will they it, say? It's so weird because, you know, like I, I've... Um, like I, I know all the work that you've done. You were so successful in my eyes, mashallah. But you know, I was just like, oh, why would Fatma come on my podcast? You know, like, do you uh, see the imposter syndrome yeah. there? The imposter syndrome I, here. Yeah. The, you know, I, I knew you before I knew your husband, and I, I still know your podcast, and I listen to your podcast a lot more than I listen to your husband's, mm. because you've done this amazingly. Mm. Like, you've. Check mark all the tick boxes. Mm. What 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 does your sas say to you? What is she disappointed <laughs> in you about? You know what I mean? Mm. And wow, you got a son the first time around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. No, no, but but, but, but I get your do, point. Do you see? You're making a point. Like yeah. if people yeah. were to see you from the outside, mm. they would think your life is perfect. Mm. Which it never is. You think you you know it. I tell people about my experience, right? And they're like, oh my God. Um, I remember when I did the podcast with Muzammil, mm-hmm. I made the mistake of reading the comments, right? So somebody called me entitled, somebody called me an army brat, like these army people go abroad, never knowing the struggle that we go through. And I think that most of the time, when we've lived through it, we block it, right? So I went through depression for two years. And when people saw me outside, they'd never believe it because that looked like the happiest point of my life. Mm-hmm. I, um, between jobs in Dubai, um, I'd moved out of my parents' house saying, I'm old enough now, I will do this myself. I hurt the hell out of my father. I don't think he'll ever forgive me. I'm working for these past few years to make sure that he does. Mm -hmm. But my mother told me afterwards that he had sleepless nights because I decided that I wanted to move. I was such an awful kid at that point in time, but I thought I was grown up, right? Mm -hmm. And then I crawled back into their house. But I'd moved out and I'd walked out of a job because I didn't like it. And so I had to pay rent, Mm -hmm. right? So what did I do? I found out that in in, um, these clubs and stuff, you have girls that offer you cigarettes for, in exchange for other cigarettes or some other kind of promotion. Mm. I did promotions for a month uh. to be able to make rent and do these things. Um, in the US, before I got a job and before I, um, so you're allowed to year, work one year, right? On on a visa before you have to get H-1B. Uh. But I wasn't able to get a job right okay. away and I didn't want to ask my parents for money. Mm. So I worked at Chili's, which is one of my favorite restaurants <laughs> as a waitress. And then, then I got, um, fired because I fainted because it was so hot that I fainted oh, oh. and then I worked as at a gym there was a gym that was an all ladies gym I was pretty fit then I used to play rugby and ride horses I'm still fit 
just because I'm a bigger size doesn't mean I'm not fit and that's mm. another myth that we have to destroy like yeah. you don't have to be razor thin to be fit yeah. I can lift more than guys in terms of weight okay. but again this is not appreciated mm. a certain body type a yeah. certain type of hair a certain type of color is appreciated how difficult is it for women right mm. you know you have to play a sport so I play sports mm. yeah seven days I have to play sports mm. with some trouble not i don't know if i can say it on camera no, but no, you know but you have you, to yeah this is no no you no. have to mm. what we go through then mm. i can't tell my polo team members hey i can't come to play today i'm kind of pmsing here mm. uh, i'm in pain mm. you got to play mm. there's so many things i mean you have beautiful hair if it was cut short will will this still think it's beautiful mm. actually i was um, i was just going to go towards um body positivity because mm-hmm. that's something you feel strongly about as well and yes. sports these are the two things you can see there circle here okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know these are two things that i want to talk to you about now yeah. um and i think body positivity is something that or uh that i think you felt more strongly about once you moved to pakistan yes. because you were made to feel a certain way yes yeah. so i um came from the US mm-hmm. where I had to walk everywhere mm-hmm. um and before that I was in Dubai so I played all sorts of sports there's mm-hmm. league sports there and everything and I came to the US in 2019 mm-hmm. um I was eating home cooked food after 17 years because in Dubai I never used to eat at home maybe once one meal okay. in a week or so mm-hmm. I was eating out and so I started getting Pakistani food there was no exercise and I ballooned and then corona hit and there was nothing for anyone to do yeah and i went from a very normal 4 to 6 four size to like a 10 12 13 14 size and everyone that would see me would be like kitni moti ho gayi kitni moti i mean recently i just went to i i was sitting with a f- um friend of mine mm. and she said oh look at that girl she's lost so much weight and i was like yeah that's really really good we should ask her how and she's like and you and i are you know still fat And I looked at her and I said I'm not fat you might think you're fat I'm not mm-hmm. and I said what defines fat mm-hmm. and she just looked at me weird because usually I agree with her <laughs> but what is fat uh. right I think that my body fat percentage is on the higher side and I should control it but how do you know that what's on me right now is not muscle mm-hmm. or how do you know I'm not on some medication that's making me fat but her saying it uh, it's never bothered me before it really bothered me and this was just 2 days ago and I told a few people and I think I told her off and I feel bad about it but I said look please don't call me fat mm-hmm. you know and it, it it it's in why are we defined by why don't you come to me and say hey by the way well played in the polo game and honestly speaking you're really doing well in your career no there are some people that'll come to my house and say oh my god your hair looks amazing today um other people i had um long hair up till here uh, till about 2 weeks ago and i cut it it was really bothering me i couldn't style it i couldn't keep it it was too hot and it was dead hair because unfortunately i colored it which i shouldn't have mm. so i cut it and people had an opinion about that i don't know why we have so much opinion about other people's appearance and not about who they are as a person or how kind they are mm. because that doesn't matter mm. and i think there is in lahore especially in us people have a right to say anything to anyone yeah and how they speak to maybe waiters and how you know um 
I left collabs. I came back after a while, and the people that came to say hi to me were the valets and the and 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 the butlers there. And they're like, "Oh, we really miss you. Um, it was so nice when you were here because yeah, yeah. we have valets and butlers yeah, there, yeah, yeah. and I get really uh, I get along with them. And keep trucking. Who do I keep in touch with? The admin team. Mm. They were amazing to me, so I'm really good friends with them. And at Kareem, who do I keep in touch with? Mostly like. The juniors and till this year, um, one of our investors at Collabs got a Kareem, and the guy told her Fatma Mazza works there, mm. and he said, "How do you know?" And he said, "Oh, I follow her because she hired me as a Kareem captain yeah. way back then." Yeah. And so, you know how you treat people should be a lot more valuable than what you look like. And how long show. or short your hair is? It is straight? Is it curly? Are you yeah. thin? Are you fat? Are you dark? Are you well, white? Okay. <laughs> So I have this skin spot. They used to be a lot bigger. When I came here, okay. I got attacked by melasma. Now, okay. as you know, melasma has no treatment. Yeah. And people were like, this is because you're in the sun. This is because you play sports. This is because this. This mm. All sorts of opinions on how to get it fixed. And to a point where I was really embarrassed to fit. And I, I show it proudly. Because it is proudly. But um, do you think that this was not something that you felt outside of this country I didn't feel it outside of yeah. this country yeah so this is more our problem this is our, our problem yeah. towards our women and men don't get it that yeah, that yeah. bad yeah I know a lot of men who ballooned in this time and except <laughs> for my mother why don't we say it to men why can men have a certain body and be yeah. okay and why why do women have to have that certain body mm. and forget everyone else why do we put the pressure on ourselves to uh, have that body we do that yes for sure yeah and it gets to you know and it starts affecting your self-esteem as well like it's the, the sad part of this entire thing is that uh, you know i can say this for myself even um, somewhere down the line mera weight ya mere appearance you know us pe koi comment kar de ya kuch ho jaye to wo meri self worth se thoda sa na chip off karta hai jo ki nahi karna chahiye you know why why am i stunning no but like you know why would i reduce my own self worth to you know my appearance it shouldn't be it should not be yeah. it shouldn't be and it shouldn't have to be that part of me does not like the fact that i did my hair and put on makeup to come here but i was told by more than a few people that they loved the podcast but i could have looked better in it so the muzamil's podcast ah okay and now it's made me very self conscious of who i am and like you know my i talk with my hands hmm. my hands are out here now because i said your hands were very distracting yeah um i do have a habit of touching my hair a lot it it it's just the way we are and then i i was told this right so i think that um that shouldn't matter yeah, shouldn't the should. content of what yeah. we're talking about matter more and i think that my worst thing is 10 20 30 people can tell me that this was good and if one person tells me i'll fixate on that which i think was the point that you were getting to as well yeah like that's what uh, that's what we do now like there's <laughs> so much more but and and people comment these things as well like you know matlab me bahut sari podcasts hain people have commented things around you know the way that i'm looking or my hair wasn't done properly yeah you know you as well say, yeah so it woh baat hai ki ye sari cheeze things you people said to you when you did your podcast so 
you know, I get to hear a lot of these things as well. I also touch my hair a lot. You must have noticed. But it is so, it's, it's and, something and people, that we do. Yeah, and people it's, pointed out that a lot as well uh, in the comments. Ke, you know, Hamna, you touch your hair a lot. And if I had gorgeous hair like you, I'd be touching it every day as well, all the time. <laughs> yeah, Too but, bad you don't have. But good Fatma, hair. if you think about it, the reason that I touch my hair is a lot because I'm always trying to fix it. Because if it's not fixed, they're gonna point that out. Do you understand? And then yes. I'm fixing it because if it's not fixed, they're gonna point that out. And then when I'm fixing it, it's like, why are you touching your hair all the time? Do you think if Muzamil was told your hair doesn't look good, he'd change it for the podcast? No. If he was told we didn't like what you were wearing, he'd change it. Uh, no, I don't think so. So why are we like this? Again, <laughs> is it them telling us uh, or is it us? You know, men can comment on men and women can comment on men and they would not care. Is it really a men versus women problem? Is it a women versus women in your head, uh, in your head problem? Uh, and that's what we need to understand. Yeah, yeah. I think if we were to say, okay, this is who we are. Mm. This is how we look. Mm. Our imperfections are beautiful here. The whole world can see it. Um, then the beauty industry wouldn't work as much or these cosmetics wouldn't sell that mm. much or these salons that take half my money won't work that much because I'm always there trying to get my hair done. Mm. It's very unruly. Um, <laughs> But it starts from us. Maybe it starts from you and me saying yeah. the next podcast that we're on, our hair will not be done and we will not have makeup on, mm. which is making me very uncomfortable anyway. <laughs> right. So self-deprecating behavior exists in a lot of us women. Imposter syndrome exists in us. And that manifests into us always hating ourselves huh. or the negative thoughts that are in your head hmm. are you need to learn how to shut them. Yeah. Because I talk to some of my friends and they look at me and they're like, what do you have to be upset about? You're stunning. And I'm like, you're just saying that because you're my friend. Right. And that's what keeps coming. But you're also white, no? <laughs> that's also a thing yes, in our that, culture. That's yeah. the, I'm, I'm also apparently tall. So the so, only thing that's missing is for me to shed a few pounds. Uh, and um, and then people say that as well. You're too skinny. You're I was, I went to. Oh my God. Uh, the list goes on, right? Yeah. So I think when we're talking about women, and it's not me, I don't think a man's ever even looked at what my weight is or what my, <laughs> I think, except for my dad, who sometimes says, um, but he's so fat himself, I'm like, look at yourself first, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But essentially, that's what we need to change. And I, I don't know how it will change. I don't know how... I look at some women that come to work and I'm not judging them. By no means am I judging them. Mm. They've got a full face of beautiful makeup mm. on. So sometimes I'm jealous that how do you know how to put on such beautiful mm. makeup? Mm. But also it means they get up an hour earlier every day. Yeah, yeah. And I did ask some of them, how long does it take you to do your hair? How long? It's an hour, hour and a half that wake, they wake mm. up early, right? Mm. I wake up an hour before work, but I go sweat it out at the gym and sometimes not even wash my hair and go to work yeah, after yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's it's preferences. No, but, but it's preferences. And um, actually, I was gonna say this a bit when we were having talking about the same thing. Ke, so I don't do my hair for every podcast. Like I don't yeah. do anything. I just brush it. That's yeah. all, and I come on. Because the, you don't need to do much. Come on set, um, and um, and I look at my podcast, and a lot of times they're just looking like you know terrible, and. Um, you know, some people would say, and I've even said this to me sometimes, you know, maybe I should care about this a little bit more. And maybe I should. It's not like there are times I feel like it, so I do it, right? Yeah. 
but if i don't feel like it i don't do it and mostly i don't do it um so and then i look at myself like ha kari leti and stuff but then see i also somewhere down there i'm a bit rebellious um i'm an aquarian i don't <gasps> me too ah! oh that's why was it birth 23rd january oh my oh that's that's the birthday of my best friend uh, forever uh-huh. but mine is 15th feb ah uh, nice. nice yeah yeah, yeah okay. so i i I never want to do what everybody's doing. Okay, yes. it's just inside me there's some kind of oh and I was like, okay. You know, I I think I do want to set this example. Okay, theek hai, it's okay that I don't do my hair every time. I, and that's okay. I think that's beautiful. You know, mere andar ek cheez hai jo ki kabhi kabhi main apne aap ko kehti hu ki yaar humna karna chahiye yaar like proper ho ke aao ye kya hai. But then I'm just like ke kya zarurat hai because again I'd rather like for me I have to sit here and I have to have this conversation with this woman about her this yeah. is about her that's what I'm here for have that conversation be involved I'd rather spend that time just you know gathering myself a bit relaxing a bit getting ready yes. you know mentally more be prepared for this rather than spending my time uh, you know getting all set up which there's nothing wrong with that i mean i could yeah. do both as well <laughs> get up a bit earlier oh, but no, no, than no. that but but it's just that you know yeah. if i don't feel like okay. it i i i don't see i don't want to do it out of the pressure ki mujhe karna chahiye yeah so isliye isliye jis din mera nahi dil chahta main usse nahi karti lekin jis din mera dil chahta hai i do it yes. but i don't want to do it because you know the pressure is because there. that's how it should be that's yeah. the standard Yes, set by society. Yeah, so that's how you should appear. There yeah. are certain careers that demand it. I remember when I went to investment banking, huh. um, they said, you know, you have to look proper huh, huh, huh. every single day. Yeah, and I think I couldn't do it. I love startups because we go yeah. in jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of times that I get heard, oh, there's no girl hair, and I'd be like, I'm a girl, and they'd be like, नहीं नहीं तुम तुम तो लड़की नहीं हो. and i think that they're giving me a compliment but that mm. really isn't a compliment no it's not yeah um sure. and i think that i've been told by a lot of people that i get a lot of attention from guys and that's it's never attention that you're thinking it is it's always that i've grown up on sports mm. i used to love my dad and i used to watch cricket and I'm obsessed you know how right now there's a match going on and uh, <laughs> when we stopped i've looked at the score yeah I'm upset. I've always played a sport. Uh-huh. There's never been a time in my life that I haven't picked up a sport. So um that means most of the time. So in Quetta I was part of the cricket team which was all boys. Mm-hmm. I was so good that all the boys um gave their, you know, they went in and test try gave trials and I gave trials and I got selected to be in the best 11. I play polo in Pakistan which is I think we have like four or five women players but we don't have enough to make an all girls team so I play with men. Mm. So I've played cricket, I've played that. I've been around horses all my life thanks to, you know, starting um, off in the army. Yeah. And then I've also played volleyball and I've also played rugby. So I've naturally spent a lot of time around men and mm. i you know talk like them i watch sports i'm obsessed with watching any kind of sports so them saying that you're one of us means that girls are not associated with sports mm. sports is not the, for women sports yeah. is not so the number of times i've been told on so I, i'm very vocal about my twitter is only for cricket and i'm very vocal about cricket there the number of times people said this one guy really ticked me off i don't talk to trolls but he mm. said oh auntie <laughs> oh babar azam pe crush hai na to 
وہ کر لو اینڈ آئی لوڈیڈ ہیم وتھ ڈاٹا اینڈ اسٹارٹ بابر اعظم ورسز یو نو وٹ ایور اینڈ وٹ ایور بٹ موسٹ آف دا ٹائم وین آئی ایم ٹاکنگ اباؤٹ کرکٹ اور اینی اسپورٹ آئی ایم ناٹ ٹیکن سیریسلی بیکاز ہاؤ کین اے وومن نو اباؤٹ اسپورٹس یو نو ایز ریسنٹلی ایز ٹو ایئرز اگو مائی ڈاڈ واس سنگ اچھا ساری فیلڈنگ تو بتاؤ نا یہ جو پورے گراؤنڈ میں فیلڈنگ ہے یہ تو بتاؤ نا I'm not saying that he is misogynistic or sexist, God forbid. He has supported me in, in being yeah, able yeah. to travel the world and yeah. stuff. But I think that which era he comes from, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. it's not a big deal for women. Mm, Sometimes yeah. my brother will do it as well. So I tell him I really like Messi um, versus Ronaldo. And he's like, oh, you've only watched Barcelona. And I said I can like him as, a, as an athlete for what he represents. So um, I don't tell a lot of people this, but I started praying Tahajjud. about a year ago and it was because I was listening to Rizwan speak and I was looking at his passion for Islam as well as cricket and seeing how he spoke about it mm. and so just because I followed a cricketer mm-hmm. and I was looking at his stats and and he prayed I started praying and I started praying Tahajjud as well because of him and, and that's changed a lot of things in my life Um, I was listening recently, I, I'm a big fan of Virat Kohli. It gets me in a lot of trouble because they say, oh, you're sucking up to the Indians. Which are, why would <laughs> no, I? No, but he's such an incredible player. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even like his cricket game. I just like, like the him. fitness that he has okay. and okay. how he's transformed himself. His mm. journey has been incredible. And what he does at the, as a workout, what weights is he lifting okay, and yeah. how does he stay so fit? I mean, he's vegan, so I can never do that. I don't think I could live without meat ever. Huh. But just... different athletes look this what's the population of india billion mm-hmm. and he's like the number one so how many would have he had to go through to be that special athlete and what gets them there what drives them mm-hmm. so i think sports can teach us a lot okay. and we can learn a lot and it gives you a certain kind of discipline where you have to get uncomfortable mm-hmm. because you either have to practice you either have to run you have to either have to do this and then your life gets a little bit more interesting mm-hmm. so i do a lot of sports analogies i when i'm talking to my uh, team i'm talking about how like you know sports inspires you to do this and i really make sure that somebody that i'm hiring has a hobby outside of work because mm-hmm. that means that they're passionate about something so they'll make time for that and make time for work mm-hmm. so that's what i that's what i do <laughs> that was a really long someone like you on my podcast before with all these themes um, in your life and you know like pehle I mentioned that you were uh, you came on Muzammil's podcast and you know after Muzammil's podcast with you he came and said you know she was an incredible woman and you know he had a lot of wonderful things to say about you really? and then he said to my me my mind's believing it but my heart's not no he imposter. did no, yeah. imposter but he, he did like you know he said some wonderful things about you and at the end of it he said you know and um, and she said you know your wife she's uh, doing such great work and I know about your wife you know yeah and I was like oh wow because and like I said said because for me when he's when he spoke about you he said you know you saw it in the fit calm yeah you know so I was like oh he could be me podcast when I get you know I don't know why I just maybe I don't know maybe why it's for me it's that 
मे बी मेरे दिमाग में वही चीज़ है ना वन आई थिंक अबाउट इट कि मैंने ये चीज़ क्यों सोची थी वो प्रॉबेबली सी सोची थी कि मुझे इन माई एक्सपीरियंस हैव टॉच मी वेमेन हु हैव मेड इट और वेमेन हु आर सक्सेसफुल दे आर वेरी सपोर्टिव ऑफ अदर वेमेन Oh my god I've been wanting to come to your podcast for 2 years now <laughs> I know and then he told this to me he said Fatma to kab se keh rahi hai ki she is more interested in your podcast I am 100% <laughs> interested in it And imagine ke because wohi baat hai ki my experiences have taught yeah. me that women don't really want uh you know I want the all the women that so you're <laughs> on my radar um you know um there's a girl Sania she's doing a podcast called Investing at 25 uh-huh. and she reached out to me and I said right yes right away uh-huh. um I've reached out, so a lot of women when they've reached out to me I've, I've said yes look if I can do a little bit as well mm. I'm not going to claim that I can do a lot because honestly time and restriction so when you make a big claim like mm. that but in the background as much as i can because there's two ways you can do it if you've never had support mm, mm. you can be like i never had support i'm not going to do it i think the opposite way because i've never had women support me i want to go out of my way to support women because it's not fair mm. and if we if we don't uplift each other who's going to be that this is the same for me you know yeah. i felt the same way that's why i do this yeah. but i also continue to believe that other women don't think like this so you know That's why I assume that a lot of these women would never want to come sit with me. You know that they they'd rather sit on This a guy's even... podcast because no. because you know they are more they're taken more seriously. Your podcast has been on my <laughs> radar for such a long time, yeah. and yeah. I think that you are incredible. Mm. And I think that there's I see a little bit of my negative thoughts inside your head as well, and you 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 really have to stop them because. I really was sad that I was not invited to. I'm, I'm I'm not even joking. I thought that I wasn't good enough to be on your no, podcast. No, I thought no, why would you I, ever? And there's so many other women who think about like this. Why are you on my podcast? Why are you coming? You know, I'm too small for them. You're oh, not smaller cheese. as well. And I think that you should really, really. I knew your husband as Hamna's husband. You have to remember that. And so you know, when I was told. I was really excited. I was like, and, and you know what they said was, okay, we'll connect you to Hamna, and that never happened after that. And I was like, okay, I was this close to reaching out to you, sir, to 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 you by myself. And as we're speaking, you know, I'm thinking, with Muzammil, I never thought if I did a good job. I'm just constantly thinking that am I doing a good enough job because I want you to be proud of me. Mm-hmm. So, look, there are women out there. If I will get you in touch with Shamsa. Mm. She's in Karachi, but if you speak to she's one of the smartest people I know mm. and she's so good, but she's also had an experience where women have been like very difficult towards her because she's that good mm. naturally. So I think there's a lot of women out there and I think like any woman that you want to speak to that you think should be on your podcast if I know her, I will send her here. <laughs> okay. Or I will reach out to her. Please just let me know. Mm. I'm also Can I help Musamil with some people that I really think should be on his podcast? Uh-huh. But first, you. <laughs> Thank you so much. It, it was a pleasure, yeah, yeah, and likewise. I hope that I didn't bore you. No, no. That's what my mind is saying. But no, this no. is important to think, right? Like I'm constantly overthinking now that I should have answered that that way or answered that that way. Mm-hmm. 
but I was really honest mm. and as honest as yeah, I could be. Yeah, it was a very raw conversation. That's it's why awful. I loved it. Yeah. I felt like I was, you know, we were connecting and we were. I think we were connecting. And, yeah, yeah. So I liked when you told me your stories as well. That made me feel really good. I think it wasn't a one-sided conversation. <laughs> mm, yeah. And you're a good listener because I was rambling sometimes. <laughs> no. You didn't cut me off. No, thank you. It was very engaging. It was very interesting. Um, I got you know everything I wanted to. Uh, get out of you. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Happy Chirp. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you liked it. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of learning uh, for you in this as well. Please don't forget to leave a comment, your thoughts uh, about the things that we discussed. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to subscribe. And I'll see you again next time. Allah Hafiz.